0: Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the Sermon of the Week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. This is my amazing wife, Cheryl, and I only bring her up because she's the mother of our preacher this morning. I'm only the father. I'm not the mother, so... uh, Uh, 30 years ago, um, after several miscarriages, we had an amazing uh, daughter, and uh, she is quite something. She has uh, a powerful anointing on her life, uh, most likely my most favorite preacher to listen to of all time. Uh, she has a tremendous amount of wisdom for being just 30 years of age. I think having four children has 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 uh, helped deposit some wisdom into her life. She's married to an amazing man, uh, Ryan, who also works here at the church. But she's something special. She's traveled the world with us as a young child. She's seen many things. She has tremendous amounts of wisdom. The, the hand of the Lord has been on her life from the earliest of ages, uh, deathly sick, miraculously healed. I could tell you all the stories, one in particular uh, of an evening where I went into her room. I was woken up in the middle of the night to go pray for her for some reason, and I walked into her room. I, I cracked the door, and the only thing I can tell you was the inside of her room looked like a snow globe with particles of glory floating around the inside of her room at probably 2:33 o'clock in the morning and an angel was standing at the foot of her bed and he says it's okay we've got her covered and so I'm like, wow, okay, I'll go back to bed then. Uh, if you've got this, uh, uh, that's good. And she has, she has a particular anointing on her life, and she's a fantastic speaker. She's a woman of God, and I'm blessed to be able to introduce her today. And someday you'll write a book, I hope, sooner than later because of what God has given and put in your life. Would you please welcome our amazing daughter, Hannah Schaefer. She's going to come share the word.
1: Well, that was quite the introduction. No pressure <laughs> well i 'm happy to be up here this morning to be sharing with you god 's really been um, just speaking to me, preparing me, um, and I love one of my favorite things from one of this past encounters was actually Sonia, she was one of the leaders, and she said "This is one of the first encounters i 've went on." where I didn't pour everything out and just felt empty. I poured it out and it was just overflow. And that's what I feel like today is. It's just overflow of what God has been speaking to me, sharing to me. And I hope you guys are encouraged today. Um, but I do want to speak to the mothers. When I was given the Mother's Day day as the woman pastor on staff, I'm like, saw that coming. Um, but I'm not going to only speak to the moms today. So men, just take a deep breath. We're not going to speak just to the moms today. I'm going to speak to to. Everyone, to myself, I'm going to be preaching at myself today as well, um, but I do want to address the moms first, and um, I like looking at the word mom or mother not as a noun, but as a verb, and to say, okay, you know, I am a mom, but growing up, I had a ton of prophetic words spoken over me saying, you're called to, to mother, to mother as a verb, saying, okay, what does that look like, to mother? It means to nurture, to train, to educate, to do these different things. And us as women are called to mother. And I think that Mother's Day can be a really hard time. I've worked through, I've worked through infertility, through miscarriages, and, and um, I just want to say that I see you and Mother's Day can be a hard day, whether you've lost your mom recently, things like that. And to know that God he holds you gently. My favorite verse um, about being a mom that I hold on to regularly is Isaiah 40:11. It says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, and they're talking about Jesus. This is prophetic in Isaiah, and it carries them close to his heart. My favorite part, he gently leads those that have young. He gently leads you. And so many times I need to be remembered of that, reminded of that, and say, okay, God, like, thank you for being gentle with me. Because um, sometimes I think we're really hard on ourselves. That's when I'm working with Davina. She's so hard on herself. And I'm like, you need to speak kind to yourself. You need to be gentle. And that's how the Father God treats us as mothers. And I love that He cares so much about my growth that He gave me children. <laughs> like, I'm not perfect, I have issues. My husband won't say amen, but it is my like. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she does. But he cares so much about my growth that he was willing to give me kids. He was willing to risk my children and the way that they were raised because he cares that much about me. For me to grow in strength, for me to grow as a mother, he gave me kids and he trusted me with that, which I think is really cool. It's a great opportunity to mature. Because if you aren't going to mature, you're going to collapse. You cannot do this thing and not be changed. Right? You just can't. It's not possible. So um, I just want to encourage you guys in being a mother, but also mothering and living that way and knowing that God holds you gently. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get into the word today. Who brings their physical Bible to church? You're like, ah, dang, I was gonna, Hannah, I was gonna, not today. Well, I'll let you hold your phone because I know a lot of you probably hold your phone. But man, there's something powerful about the actual Bible, but I know it's heavy, but I got four kids here in a diaper bag and another diaper bag, and it's here in my hands. Don't check with me next week, (laughs) but today it's here with me. Okay, so I love the Bible because it's powerful. And so what I want to do is I want you all to stand with me. And if you have your Bible in your hand, put it in your hand, maybe it's your phone, and we're going to pull it back old school because... I was reminded of this and I was like, I loved doing this as a kid. I remember the room. Maybe you did this growing up, maybe you didn't. But we're gonna put words to what God has placed on our life. So, you're gonna repeat after me. Are you ready? This is my Bible. Oh, you're gonna say it with me. Okay, okay. Don't repeat after me because the words are on the screen. Okay, we're gonna say it together. Let's try that again, okay. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. You could be saying that in the morning before you open up your Bible and do your devotions. Right. You are calling your body and saying, no, I am receptive. I am awake. I am here. I am alert. And what this says is true. Whether it feels true or not, this is infallible, right? right. Who? Yes. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about being seasoned. Being seasoned. I love seasonings. I love some good garlic. I pretty much pour garlic on everything. Ryan, sometimes I can't, it just oozes from your pores. If you ever come around me, I might smell like garlic. It's because I eat salsa day in and day out. It is a main food group in my life. Salsa, seasoning is delicious. Actually, Sarah, the director of Dream Center, she came by this week and she brought me this ginormous bag of Brussels sprouts. It's one of my kids' favorite foods and I know, just let that sink in, and she brought that by, and she had been talking to me about fennel. She's like, I do not like grouped seasonings like Italian. I don't want that. I don't want them to decide how much of each go in there. I want the individual seasonings, and so I was experimenting with fennel by itself, and she had told me, she's like, I want to put fennel in that dish that you put fennel in, and I was like, well, I don't know because I've never used fennel. And so I bought her a jar of fennel when she came over. And she's like, Well, I actually brought you tarragon today. And so we like exchanged seasonings unknowing. And it was just really fun. Seasonings are important. We have specific seasonings for corn, nature seasoning. Does anybody do that? On corn it's perfect. Add a little Tabasco to something. We like using molasses. Anybody a molasses fan as far as seasoning things? Y'all are like, Why doesn't it? Okay. High fructose corn syrup, my dad says. No, stop it. Stop it. So, I love seasonings. Seasonings are important. If I were to say y'all are going to eat white rice and a boiled chicken breast for every meal for the rest of your life, collectively, not so much. Not so much. But if I said, man, we're going to grill it, we're going we're to gonna marinate it in this, and then we're going to season it with this, and you can smell the aroma while it's cooking, and, and we're going to cook some rice, but we're going to add these, okay? We're feeling it. Seasoning is needed. Seasoning is delightful. In Psalms 34, 8, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It doesn't say taste and see the Lord is bland. It says taste and see that he's good. And that's one of the things that I love about communion is that it's taking this intangible idea that sometimes it's hard to grasp, right? The what Jesus did for us and it makes it tangible that we get to taste, we get to remember his body, we get to remember his blood. And I think God is really gracious in that. And he gave us these senses. He gave us these things to do. So one of the main verses for today that I wanna talk about is Mark 9, 49. It says, everyone will be salted with fire. (laughs) Loving it, you're like, whoa, that took a turn. I thought we were talking about food. Well, salted with fire, but salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? And I think you guys know this, you know the, the bumper sticker, salt and light, salt and light. Well, let's look at the King James version of this verse 49 of Mark 9. It says, for everyone shall be salted with fire. But it says, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Sacrifices require salt. And if we look back at Old Testament, I know we're living in New Testament times. But if you look back at Old Testament times, Leviticus 2.13. Season all of your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all of your offerings. In Ezekiel 43, 24, it says, you are to offer them before the Lord. And the priests, are we all priests in this room? We're all called to be priests? Are to sprinkle salt on them and sacrifice them as a burnt offering to the Lord. So that's the Old Testament, right? We're supposed to season in salt, sacrifices but in this New Testament life are we called to be a living sacrifice yeah are we called to be living sacrifices which means we need to be salted we need some seasoning on our life so that we can taste and see that the Lord is good that he would be happy with what we are doing and we say okay in the 1950s I found this interesting Um, the factories that were producing ammunition wars done. what are we gonna do we need to find a use for these factories what are we gonna do? Well, we're gonna make prepackaged food, kind of like what the, um, the army used to eat. We're gonna do that because that's privilege. We're gonna, we're gonna tell people, you don't have to cook. Look, just take this, add water, boil it, it'll be good. Or microwave it, do these different things. That's actually how that started to come about is that those factories needed something to do it. So they started to say, hey, it's convenient. Women, you know, cooking is too hard and troublesome. Just, just do this out of the box. It should be easy to eat good food right? Not so much. Life should be easy. We don't need to be seasoned. I want, God, can you just heal me? Just take me out of this job. It's too hard. This marriage is too hard. How many do we just say, God, can you fix it? How many prayers? Can you just fix it? Just me? Can you just fix it, please? Help my children stop screaming in my face, God. <laughs> please. 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 Help my, goose, help my goose to stop chasing me down and biting at my legs, God. <laughs> Kill him in his sleep, God. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, if you ever come to my house and my goose attacks you, I apologize. So we say, God, can you just fix it? Just fix it. But the desire for ease and comfort and a stress-free living is an indirect desire to remain an unseasoned, immature Christian. I'll say it again. The the desire for ease, comfort, and stress-free living is an indirect desire to remain an unseasoned, immature Christian. So what if this life we live, what if this way we live isn't about just being happy, right? God, can you just make me happy? Can you make this easier, please, God? What if it was actually about being holy, Having a life, living it as a sacrifice, making daily sacrifices in this New Testament life to say, how can I be seasoned? How can I be salted? What is happening in my life? And how is this making me more palatable to my heavenly father? How am I sacrificing daily? So mountain climbers, I'm not a mountain climber, believe it or not, but I have heard. Mountain climbers look at mountains and they go, man, look at that. I want, to, I want to scale that, I want to conquer that, right? Well, if I go there and if I go here and they go and they start plotting, they don't look at a mountain and go, man, if I could just have a helicopter and just drop me off at the top of that thing, that would be great. No, they look at it and they say, there's something to be conquered there. I wanna grow, I wanna do that, I wanna be stretched. If we look at our life instead of something that, oh, I just wanna conquer and get into heaven, yes! I just don't wanna go through that problem. Can you just fix it and place me there, God? No, no, there is things to be traversed in our life. There is maturity and things to happen in our life. Psalms 23, I love it. Jeremy finishes prayer every week with this. We do prayer every Sunday at 9 a.m. It was a powerful time this morning, just praying over the mothers, but he ends every single week with doing um, this. But what I love is that it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. It doesn't say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, take me out of it, rescue me. No, it says he comforts them there. He's with them there. But he doesn't take them out. And it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He doesn't say, come on, let's go somewhere else and eat. No, it's right there in the midst of it. In the midst of it. That's where he meets you. In the midst of it. As you want to meet him there. So God's first priority is often to strengthen us in the midst of the difficulty rather than to take us out of it. And you're like, I don't think I like that word, Hannah. Hannah. I'm sorry, let's look at our example. I was thinking, man, who who should we look at? Who do I wanna model my life after? Mm, Jesus, easy answer, just Jesus juked you. So Jesus, Psalms, it talks about Jesus a lot. I love how David refers to him, but we're gonna look actually in Hebrews 2.10 about Jesus, God for whom and through whom everything was made chose to bring many children into glory and it was only right that he should make Jesus through his suffering a perfect leader fit to bring them into their salvation so if Christ himself was made perfect through suffering what is our life going to look like and I think some of us were like, you know, God, you, we want God because he's going to make my life easier. This isn't what I signed up for. Well, let's look at the, let's look at the, um, the mascot of Christianity. Let's look at his life. It's pretty rough, but he got to do amazing things and he pursued God's heart and he personified the pursuit of God after us. And that's who we get to live life. And so if Jesus's life was made perfect through suffering, I think I have a thing or two to learn. About how to live life. So what I want to do is I want to take some time here this morning and look at Jesus's life and look at the ways he was seasoned. What kind of seasonings does Jesus like, right? So we're going to look at his life. If you want to get out your Bible, you can. I'm pretty sure you're going to be familiar with these stories, but we're going to address them kind of in a different way this morning. So Matthew four, Jesus is in the wilderness and he's being tempted by the devil. How many of you guys have had to fight some temptation in life? How many of you guys have had to face some temptation in life? Some struggles, some things where you're like, man, I shouldn't do that. Or maybe, I don't know. I think we've all faced some type of temptation in our life. So he's being tempted. And what does the devil immediately do? Well, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and nights and he was hungry. I'm hungry if I skip my breakfast, y'all. So um, I can't imagine 40 days and 40 nights. My patience is a little tested if you come at me before my morning coffee and breakfast sometimes. Okay? The devil himself has come to Jesus 40 days and 40 nights of being hungry. He's hungry or hangry. He's being tempted and he's having some trials. What does the devil first go after? Jesus' identity. Jesus's identity, if you are the son of God. How many of you does the devil kind of, if you are, oh, you think Jesus loves, like, does he really love you? Are you really his daughter? Are you really his son? He comes after your identity. So he's being tempted there and he's saying, if you are the son of God, do this. If you are the son of God, do this. And and the devil says, I'll give you this. If you just, you know, bow down. There was some immediate relief for Jesus if he would have done what the devil said. So he had to fight that urge when he's hungry, he's tired, all these different things. And the devil's coming after his identity, tempting him. Jesus resists temptation. Being tempted is not a sin. Falling into temptation and acting on it is a sin. So I'm just clarifying that. And I love at the end of it, at the end of the story, it says, Then the devil left him because he resisted. And the angels came and attended him. I think that's really powerful that he was seasoned with temptations, trials, weakness, hunger. There's some things there. How many of you guys want those things in your life? You're like, yes, please tempt me. Yes, please give me a trial. Yeah, no, that's not really what we maybe think we want. But out of that, what did Jesus grow in? He grew in his identity. He goes, I know who I am. I know who I am. He grew in faith that his father is who his father is. He grew in strength. The angels came and ministered to him. What I loved um, about last week's sermon, I thought that last week, I loved last week's sermon. I've talked to Ryan about it like every day. What What I loved about it is that God can only be what you aren't. God can only provide what you don't have. And so if Jesus is weak, which it's obvious he's weak, God now has the opportunity to come and bring strength into that situation. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for your power, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, Calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Jesus was strong. He was made strong out of his weakness. It wasn't that he strived to be strong, but he was made strong in the weakness, which I just, I love. I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. I don't think that would go on my list of being content with. But out of that, Jesus is growing. And I think sometimes we say, well, it was Jesus, he's fully God. Yeah, but he was also fully man. And I think sometimes we forget about that. I know I forget about that. I think, oh, he's this heaven. He, he's part of the Trinity. He's, you know, he's fully God. And it's like, yeah, but the part of Jesus that's so impactful is that he was fully man. He was a, he was a man who hadn't eaten for 40 days and night. He was a man who was hungry. He was a man being tempted by the devil. He was fully man. And so placing yourself and saying, could I have done that? That's what he's calling us to today. To be, to have perseverance and to mature. James 1, 2 and 4 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You can't produce perseverance without going through trials that build perseverance, I don't blink and have a six pack. It doesn't work that way. I've tried. (laughs) Doesn't doesn't work. Perseverance is how that happens. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I want to be a mature Christian. I want to be a mature follower. I want to have perseverance. I want to lack nothing as I'm pursuing my heavenly father. As I live my life, I want to pour out everything that I have. And I think that as we're hearing this, maybe you're thinking, man, I've been walking through this horrible sickness in my life. Man, my marriage is, is destroyed or it's almost destroyed and I'm done. Maybe your kids, they aren't following Christ and you're like, why, I, why do I even do? What, what is happening? You feel out of control. Let me encourage you to say God can use anything. God can use anything and he will chase you down and he will work it for his good. If you have the intent to pursue him and say, God, it's all about you, I wanna be seasoned. So let's look at a different story of Jesus with the Samaritan woman. I love this um, verse where he's at the well and it actually says, it's in John four, we're gonna read verse six and then bounce around a little bit. 25 and on but the first thing it says jacob's well was there and jesus tired because he's human he was tired and he was from his journey he sat down by the well and it was about noon and we know the woman comes we've heard this story right the woman comes and he said he he reads her mail and she is like i know who the when the messiah comes xyz and he's like okay yeah okay well um I, I am the Messiah and he reveals himself to her and she becomes what I'd like to say the first missionary. She goes and she tells every, he's told me, he's told me about myself. He told me everything I've done. In the midst, he's hungry, he's thirsty, he's tired and he's there and he decides to minister to somebody who normally he wouldn't be seen being talked to. And part of my, part of the funny part of this as a mom that I like about this story is that the disciples come up in verse 31 and they say rabbi you need to eat something and he says to them i have food to eat that you know nothing about and the disciples are like uh did somebody bring him food like what and i'm like y'all been following him for how long like and those questions if you read the bible i love looking and reading how the disciples respond to jesus because it humbles me and it makes me be like okay god you can use me too because they ask questions that like my four-year-old, my seven-year-old, where I'm like, if you ask me another question like that. Like they ask questions and it's just become, well, what do you eat? What are you eating? What's going on? And God, God has patience that surpasses all understanding that I know. So he's seasoned with exhaustion. He's seen, seasoned with hunger. And these questions of people that just don't get it. But he grew in favor. Had he not have been patient, Had he not have stopped when he was tired, but still chose to pursue that woman, who knows if all of those people would have come to know Jesus. But if he was like, I just need a drink, can I please just have a drink? I just need a drink. No, he saw her. He pursued her. Through his own uncomfortable state, he says, no, there's something in this moment and I'm not gonna let it pass me by because he had sight of eternity So often I think we get so focused. I just got to make it through today. I just got to make it through today. If nobody screams in my face today, if I just make it through, if I get three meals on the table and one of them wasn't mac and cheese out of a box, I succeeded today. You know, you just look at your day and you're like, I just got to get through today. If I can get through my job today without my boss yelling at me, if I can get through without having an argument with my husband today, if I can just get through today, that's not the way to live. Jesus was able to do these things because he had the sight of eternity. To say, okay, God, Father God, what are you doing? What does today have in the sight of eternity? That's how he can persevere. And that's how he can do those things. Because patience can only be formed on the crucible of frustration. Patience can't be formed when you aren't frustrated. Patience can't be... Oh no, it's all over my Macbook. Water on the carpet, on my Bible. Okay. It's the holy water. (laughs) Okay. So, there are times in our life where we, that's going to distract everyone. I'm just going to do that. I'm sorry. It's just going to distract everyone. You're going to watch it fall the whole entire time. All right. So, there's these times where Jesus had to be patient, and I pull on those when I don't feel like being patient, when my daughter's lost the other shoe, we have to look for 20 minutes to find the other shoe. Nobody? And you're like, just put on any other pair of shoes. It has to be this set of shoes. And it's like, no, okay, but God is a loving God. He's more concerned about growing my patience and my empathy than my kid finding the shoes. So he's chasing me down and helping me grow in patience For me to not strangle my kid who just won't put on another pair of shoes. Because God is pursuing me while I'm pursuing my children. And he's pursuing us daily. One of my favorite scriptures that I'm going to spend the most time on here as we're drawing to a close. Is talking about Jesus when he healed so many people and then he fed the 5,000. I think we talk about the scripture a lot, maybe in bits and pieces. We talk about, oh, he healed them all, or oh, you know, he fed the 5,000. But one of the powerful things about the Bible is reading it in order and realizing, okay, let's just look at a day in Jesus's life. Are we ready? Let's all just look at Jesus's life for a day. Well, John's disciples in Matthew 14, verse 12, came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus, so they went and told Jesus that John the Baptist has now been beheaded. When Jesus heard of what had happened, he withdrew, right, to grieve. Take that time to be like, oh my, like, I just need a moment to be alone. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. But hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot. So he wanted to be alone, but yet people were demanding. Anybody? Just need a minute alone, but being demanded of when jesus landed and saw a large crowd he didn't say guys i just i am so sad i'm so broken i just need some time just give me some time no when jesus landed and saw the large crowd he had compassion on them and healed the sick in the midst of his brokenness in the midst of his grief he stopped and he healed the sick he had compassion this is starting to be a long day anybody else so, verse 15, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, "This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send them away so that they can go to the villages, buy themselves some food." And Jesus says, "No, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat." We have here only 5 loaves of bread and 2 fish, and we know what happens because we've heard this story as well. Jesus multiplies and he feeds the 5000. This is a long day, y'all. And he's grieving. In the midst of it, how many of us have went through seasons of grief and we just are incapacitated, right? And I'm not here to shame you on that. I'm here to say that Jesus can meet you there. God comes and shows up because Jesus is pulling on Father God. Whether it's written there or not, there is dialogue between Jesus and God saying, all right, God, we got we to gotta feed these people. All right, God, please come and, come and heal them in the midst of his own pain. But he was subject to weariness just like us. He was fully, fully human. But finally, after it's all happened immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. But after he dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside and he prayed. He still got his time alone with his heavenly father. So he was there. So the same chapter, which I think is great, he goes and he meets and he walks on the water and then Peter tries to walk on the water and falls in the water. I mean, like, y'all, you, know, you can't make these things up. These are the things where it's like, you just can't make these up. But God meets him there and it's so powerful. Jesus is so patient where he's like, you have little faith, what, what are you doing? He's grown in perseverance. He's grown in strength. He's grown in endurance and patience. All of these times because he's being seasoned by people who continue to demand, who continue to go through these hard times. And I think sometimes we even forget about the heavenly father. We think, oh, Jesus came, he died on the cross and I'm so thankful for that. But we forget about the father. If God allowed his son to suffer, which he did, Jesus suffered, he was persecuted, he was whipped, he was crucified. We can expect the same things, right? But suffering isn't the end of the story suffering isn't the end and that's what I'm saying you get through these hard times you persevere you grow in patience you grow in strength because it's not the end but you can only do it when you know there's eternity there's eternity and right now today I get to worship God in a different set of circumstances that I never get to worship him again because today's circumstances are different than my answered prayer Me pressing in, crying out to have a child and saying, God, please, like I'm worshiping him and laying different sacrifices on the altar in that moment that I never get to do ever again. I never get that back. And now in the moments of crying out, saying, God, I need you to meet me here. I like locking myself in the room. God, like today, I just, I want to pour it all out. And that's what I want to do. I want to live a life that is continually, continually poured out. I want to persevere. Romans five, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. I want to pour everything out every day of my life. And if I go to bed with an ounce of energy left, I failed that day. (laughs) That's how I have to look at my life. I want to pour out every ounce of love, every ounce that I have inside of me. And I wanna to go to bed and say, God, I gave it all. I laid it all down today. I wasn't selfish. I didn't reserve on that. I didn't just sit in bed out watching my show that I wanted to watch. No, I got into the word because I never get today back to live for you. I wanna be seasoned. I wanna to get to heaven and I wanna say, God, I gave it all. I gave it all and I want to look at Jesus's life and say fine God like the songs the songs I love and worship are God come and purify me I lay it down at the altar God clean my hands purify my heart I want to burn for you God and you can't say those songs if you never have to walk through fire we can't understand the sacrifice that Jesus came and he gave it all for you if you never willing to give up anything for the cross You've made his sacrifice a fairy tale by being unwilling to live a sacrificial life. You can't do it. We owe it to the gospel. We owe it to the world to live a life of the gospel. We owe it. Jesus lived a persecuted life and he was acquainted with grief. He was despised. In Isaiah 53, it says he was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. He was despised. He bore our griefs. We can look at Luke 23, just read it. All the different things that happened to him leading up to his crucifixion. They ridiculed him, they mocked him. And I think so often it's easy to say, I would be a martyr. Yeah, because you die and it's done and you get to go to heaven. I'm not, I'm not belittling that. I'm saying, why don't you live? Can you live for the gospel? Can you live in a way that costs you something? That's hard. That's hard to say, I wanna live a persecuted life for the glory of God. That's what I want. Persistence, endurance, they don't make sense unless we have a keen sense of eternity. If we live coddled Christian lives, never sacrificing ourselves, like I said, the cross becomes a fairy tale. We can't really appreciate Christ's sacrifice. What does this look like in your life? Maybe it looks like your marriage. You being married is not the end all. It's simply the context of where God can bring you spiritual growth. Amen, Hannah, amen. I got married wanting to grow. No, you got married. (laughs) Anyway, we all get married for different reasons, but we get married because God has given us this calling on our life and I am married because Ryan makes me more holy. I have a mirror continually saying, hey Hannah, is that really how you wanna respond to that? I don't get to seclude. I was a bland Christian. I was the boiled chicken breast Christian. That was me. A good old boiled chicken breast where that little phlegm floats on the top of the water. So that was me. Flem and all. And was I still a good, was I a chicken breast? Yes. Was I a Christian? Yes. But in those moments where I'm having that bad day, I don't really want to be around anyone. I get to go just seclude by myself. Not anymore. I now have a husband who says, hey, what's going on? We actually got to talk about this, right? I'm being seasoned. Now I have children who never give you a moment alone and continually stretch you in ways I was never stretched before. I continually think, What was I doing? Like, what did I do with my time? What did I do without people demanding of me all the time? No, I am now a seasoned Christian way more than I was before. Maybe it doesn't look like marriage and kids for you. Maybe it looks like a job that God has placed you in with a boss who's rude, who's horrific. But yet you have to say, okay, God, grow me in patience. Grow me in perseverance. Grow me in love. Maybe, what in your life is God using to season you? For you to be able to pray, say, God, use it, instead of, God, fix it. Yeah. God, use it. Use it for your good. Use it to grow me. Use it. Don't fix it. Just use it. So, Colossians three twelve. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, these are all things that have to grow and they grow by being seasoned. First Thessalonians 5 16, it says rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think easy, we look at the Bible and we hear all those great stories. We're like, oh, Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den. Did Daniel pray for the lions to go away? Did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego pray for the fire to just go away? Did David pray for Goliath that he would just leave them alone? No, they pray for strength, right? And Jesus meets them. God, heavenly father, meets them there. Those are the stories you look at and you're like, that's awesome. Yeah, he didn't take them out of it. So are we looking at the Bible and praying in a way where we say, okay, God, come and meet me here. I can only do this with your strength. That's somebody, when I'm looking around and I want somebody on my team, I want that person on my team that has the perseverance, that has the strength, that does these different things because that's that's where it happens. So don't take it away, God, teach me in the midst. And I love it because God is a gracious God, but he also, he likes to teach us. Um, In Judges chapter two and chapter three, I'm not gonna get into it, but it's the generation that hasn't seen the battles yet. They haven't seen war yet. And um, it talks about, God is saying, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in the way of their ancestors did. He's testing them. And then it says, he did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not previous had battle experience. So, he does that. He doesn't do that to to hurt them he does it to strengthen them he does it to give them the opportunity to rise up i regularly think about abraham who god says hey you know sacrifice isaac god knew god knew that abraham would be willing to sacrifice isaac but did abraham know that abraham would be willing to kill his son he would not have known if god didn't give him the test even though God knew. Isn't it enough if God knew that 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 would work out and no, you need to know. Do you know that you can do it? Not on your own, but with the help of the Lord. So, Hebrews 12:11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful, Rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And that's what I love, being trained by it. We don't just go into battle. If you think of people going off to war, they don't just get thrown out there. They go through boot camp, they go through these different things, being trained skills they don't need yet. They might not ever be deployed into active duty, but they're prepared. We're in a battle. What are you doing to be prepared? Are you rejoicing? Are you giving thanks like we've been talking about? Are you getting into the word to where you know the scriptures? When Jesus was in the wilderness, he's quoting scripture to the devil. He didn't have a Bible in front of him. He knew it because he's prepared. What are we doing and saying, there's a war happening and I want to be prepared. Romans 8, 28, he works all things together for the good of those who love him according to his purpose. Doesn't matter if the devil is messing with you, doing, the devil, the devil. Okay, God, can you just use this for your glory? That would just be great. Can you just use this for your glory? Can you use my family, my marriage? Even though it's uncomfortable, can you use it for your glory? So the question I ask myself, and you need to ask yourself, would I rather live a life of comfort and remain an immature Christian, or am I willing to be seasoned with suffering if by doing so, I'm conformed to the image of Christ. That's a heavy, that, I mean, I would just think about that for a second, because by you saying yes, you're saying I'm willing to live a life of suffering. And I'm not here to say every day is gonna be bad, but I'm just, we gotta look at Jesus, and we gotta look at our lives. We gotta look at the world we live in. What way are we going here, people? We really need to say, okay, God, I, I mean, I wanna be seasoned, was suffering. The last verse I'm going to read today is 1 Peter 1:7. 1, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor. On the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world, I want that. I have a bad day doesn 't matter i 'm giving it all to God, and sometimes I might mess up. Some days aren 't good. Maybe you have a day where you 're overcome with grief the pers- you 're like i 'm being persecuted. Jesus was persecuted i 'm going through trials and tribulations, so did jesus i 'm being tempted left and right. I hear the devil speaking to me when i 'm alone in my house and what he 's saying these lies. You have the power to persevere, not on your own, but by the one who came before you, who lives outside of time and who gets to live inside of you. And so I want to be seasoned. I don't want to be lukewarm and spit out of the mouth of Christ, right? We talk about that scripture all the time. Don't be lukewarm. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be seasoned. I want to lay it all at the altar. I want to salt my sacrifices, things that cost me something. That's what I tell my girls. They say, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, well, I don't want to do that right now. And I'm like, yeah, but now you have the opportunity to actually sacrificially obey. I'm not like eat this cake. Well, okay. I'm so obedient. I ate the cake. Yeah. I'm a great daughter. No, it's, hey, go unload the dishwasher. Go clean the poop out of the chicken pen. Go. Okay. That's obedience right? And so I want to live a sacrificial obedience life. And I want to lay it all down on the altar to where when I get to meet Jesus face to face and I get to worship him for eternity in a way that doesn't cost me anything, I want to worship him in a way that costs me something. And that's a dangerous prayer. And I would encourage you to take that to God and say, can you help me? And he will. He will because he's faithful. He's faithful and true. So why don't y'all stand with me? I'm gonna say um, a prayer over you. And this is stuff to think about. Um, You know, this isn't the the happy clappy, God is in a good mood. He is in a good mood. But I want to be a good daughter. I wanna be a follower of Christ. And I want to help steward this house. I want mature Christians. I don't want spoiled children. As me, I don't want to. I don't want to be that spiritually. Well, just can you come fix this? Can you come fix this, God? No, no. I love you, God. If this is for you, I do it all for you. I lay it all down at your feet, God. I want. I want to pour it out. I was talking to my mom um, the other day. She was over helping with my kids. The guys were over for the bonfire. I'm cutting peppers and onions to put in the beans because we don't do normal beans. We have to season the beans. With things. And so Ryan's like, can you make the beans? And I'm like, sure. And I'm like two jalapenos, a red pepper, a white pepper, a whole onion, some molasses. We're doing it. And I'm getting it done. And my kids are finally about to go to bed. It's a little later than normal. And I'm teary-eyed. I'm like, I just want to give it all. I just want to give it all. Every day, whether that looks like you as a mom, laying it all down with people that don't notice, doesn't matter, he notices that if I go to bed at night and I didn't give it all, what am I doing? I've told Ryan, um, we've had this conversation regularly and I'm like, is one lifetime enough? Is one lifetime enough for me to love him? Is one lifetime enough? I know I get eternity in heaven, but I want to live this life that I've been given and lay it all down. And if I could give him two lives, I'd give him two. Cause what are you doing? He laid it all down for you and for us to think that we get an easy life. Yes, there's great days. Yes, there's days that are awesome. The days where your kids are thankful, the days where your job is awesome and they throw you a party, but then there's days that people are yelling in your face, you're getting cussed out on the drive. People are telling, it doesn't matter. I wanna lay it all down. I wanna give everything I've got every day of my life as a living sacrifice. I wanna be seasoned. I don't wanna be tasteless. I want to give something that cost me something. And that looks like being faithful through trials and tribulations, to build endurance, to build an obedience, to do things out. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm just going to do it. Or I'm going to do it afraid because I'm going to be obedient to you, God. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I want for you guys to get that fire inside of you to where trials and tribulations don't knock you down. They amp you up. They amp you up. You say, God's got something on the move. I'm going to have an awesome testimony one day of God's goodness showing up in this. That's what it's about. Dear God, I thank you. I thank you that you are a good father and you give good gifts, but I thank you for your discipline. I thank you that you come and you help us in trials and tribulations and temptation. God, those times when we're walking through that, when we're walking through grief and loss, when we feel alone, when we're in the desert, in the wilderness, God, that you are there. When we just lost somebody we loved and yet other people are demanding things of us, you're there. God, we ask humbly that you would use everything in our life for your glory. Use it, God, use it. Use my hands, use my family, use my jobs in whatever way you can to purify me, season me, God season me, God. I don't wanna be tasteless. I wanna give you something that cost me, something that cost me everything. I choose you, God, over my comfort. I choose you over simple and ease and being an immature Christian, God, I wanna be mature, I wanna persevere. And I, I dangerously welcome your trials that I might grow in faith, that I might grow in perseverance, that I might grow in patience, that I might grow in maturity, God, that I might grow closer to being more like you, God. And I thank you. Amen. Amen.
0: As we conclude this podcast, we wanna take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, Please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, your place for real, relevant relationship.